Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the advertising podcast where we take a look at marketing, media, TV, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm Doug Zanger, Adweek's senior creativity and agencies editor based out in Portland, Oregon, filling in for David Greiner, who's finishing up his manuscript that he owes to his publisher this week. Uh, no, that's not actually true. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it were true? You know what? Knowing Griner, though, he probably does have, he probably, you know, it's like he'll end there's, up being like, there's a, New York a manuscript Times. in a drawer somewhere. You know what? And he just hasn't told us about it. Right. And it'll be like a New York Times bestseller and it'll be really smart and really clever. So, yeah. yeah all right. <laughs> I got to try a different one next time I fill in. Uh, so, anyway, this week we're going to be doing something a, a little different. Uh, as you may or may not have known, there was this little conference happening down in Austin. Uh, it's called, uh, ooh, I think it's called South uh, SXSW. Well, uh, you know what? We welcome Adweek's brand editor, Christina Monlos. Uh, <laughs> there was something going on in Austin, correct? There was a thing happening in Austin. <laughs> it was South by Southwest. Right. Okay. Yes, I am familiar. No, actually, mm-hmm. uh, I clearly I'm joking. And, I, you know, out of all of the conferences... You've got the CAN, you've got the De Mexico, you've got the Mobile World Congress. Um, one of my favorites, and I'm not saying this just because I live here, is is Design Week Portland. Um, but there's something about South by Southwest that just feels very different. Um, you know, there are some people who have complained that it's starting to feel too commercial and it's it's not what it used to be. And honestly, Christina. What exactly is anything like it used to be? Let's be honest. Um, all I know is that when I go to Austin, I love South By, and I, I have such a great time there. Um, t- talk about the overall vibe this year. What, what was it like? Yeah, this year it actually felt like a little bit quieter, a little mm. bit more political. There was a whole political track. Um, and just, you know... I, I get pitched on a ton of experiences, and that's what I was generally covering down there. And I got to say, man, I want a come-to-Jesus moment with experiential. Like, if you're saying that something is an experience, it better not be that I'm in a room with a bunch of other people, there's a bar and a photo booth. Because that <laughs> does not an experience make. Right. And you're just going to get one angry person, which is me, there, (laughs) uh, just talking about how bad your experience is there. It's also, you know, uh, get, have some sort of thought into like what the experience will be like for the attendee. I think there's, you know, for me at least, like there's, there's a ton of stuff. I went and covered a, a bunch of things. Um, and there were a bunch of, a bunch of experiences where, it felt like the per- whoever put it together didn't think about what the experience was like for the person there. It was like, mm. okay, we'll just have a cool thing there, cool thing there, cool thing there. There's no narrative, and there's like no thought into what it would be like to 
really go around those. So I just, from here on out, if you're pitching me an experience, it better be an actual experience. Right. Well, and let's be honest, the yeah. ba- the bar was set last year and this the bar was set so you know let's let's go ahead and call this the professional broadcast segue into giant (laughs) spoon and what we'll be hearing here in a second but i mean honestly that the bar was set you know how how do you you know how do you top that ambition right how do you you don't you don't but it's like you don't have to be the experience of Westworld. You don't have to right. be that. Like, for example, I went to this Rent the Runway pop-up, and, you know, it took forever to get there on a scooter. Oh, yeah. Like, the vibe at South by this year was you're riding a goddamn scooter, even <laughs> if you don't want to be. Like, I I very fearfully rode scooters down the street, mm. like, fully thinking I was going to lose my life on a scooter, but I rode them anyway because it was actually a better mode of transportation to get around. So (laughs) Eating a breakfast taco while you're at it. There's that. I am am not that coordinated. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, basically uh, that, you know... So, it, it was, so rent the, the runway. What was what was that? Did that sound? That's how right. was that one? My brain is broken. If you're I, I, no, it's to okay. This. I I've done um, the South by. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, but rent the runway was basically a thing where it's like they had a pop up where you could go and actually rent clothes, and they would do your hair and do your makeup and like have someone give you a reading of your birth chart, which you know the birth chart reading, take it or leave it, but. If you've been to South by before, you know that like you could leave the house looking nice and by the time it's the evening when you haven't been able to get back to where you're staying and you actually have events to go to, you look disgusting. Oh, and, and it happens after like an hour with me. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, with the heat, the humidity. Uh, yeah. And, and then, so Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's that's an experience that like it's true to the brand. And it's not a big deal. Like, it doesn't have to be something massive, but it's like, fix a problem that you know is happening at South By, and people will appreciate it. I appreciated it. I, you know, having a stranger do my hair, all right, great. Mm -hmm. Being able to rent a shirt, fine. Yeah, I'm into it. Like, that's all you need to do. Like, think about what your brand is and what the experience of your brand is and, like, how you can help someone at South By. Or you could do something hella weird, which is what ADP did, where, yeah, you know. Yeah, what was that? Look. <laughs> She's, oh, she just sighs. <laughs> oh, look. <laughs> look, I, I don't want to talk about ADP as a company because, like, you know, they're their own thing. Like, being in charge of benefits and employees, all of that. No one's going to like you. But. But if you have a if you have something where you're allowing people to break stuff, I don't know. Hmm. I liked it. I'm cynical, and the idea. Okay, so I wait, back wait up. yeah, back I up a little back bit. Up and I set heard this breaking up. things, and that could go in a lot of different directions. Yeah. Again, apologies, listeners. No, my brain is I, broken. I, I get it. But basically, ADP had a pop up. Um, or in a, it was an actual experience where you could go through and you could take all of the like work frustrations, like the um, the glass ceiling, mm-hmm. you know, work life balance, um, old technology, and then the pay gap, and you could smash things. Like you could smash things to like break those barriers. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of like smashing the glass ceiling. All right. Okay. But then they put you in this white suit. They put like a helmet on you. They give you a baseball bat and they have you stand under a glass pane and then hit the baseball bat like multiple times until you actually shatter glass and the glass falls on top of you. And it sounds more dangerous than it was. But is it therapeutic at least? It's wild. 
it is wild to smash something. And I did all of them. But <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, I'm, if you're giving me the opportunity to have my like office space moment and destroy something, right. I did not do a fax machine. I did a typewriter. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it was great. No, like I, something like that is like, okay, ADP is a brand. You don't really think about them. It was their first time at South by you're like, why are they here? Uh, I had gotten the pitch on Friday to be like, come and smash some glass. And I was like, all right, okay. But on a whim, I went there on Sunday morning and I was like, oh, hell, this is actually a great experience because you can break stuff. I, I just, like that. you know. Yes. That's so good. all of that is to say, give me something unique. Like, give people something unique. And I think yeah. that's what people need to do when they're thinking about South by. And that's what more of this conversation with giant spoon. will talk about just like how they created Westworld, how they made this game of Thrones pop up and what you should know if you're trying to, you know, make experiences happen. Right. So this discussion that you had with giant spoon really covered all of that. What, uh, tell us a little bit more about who was on the panel and what people will be hearing uh, in this session that yeah. you did with them. So it was with uh, Giant Spoons, Trevor Guthrie, and Mark Simons. And uh, we were just, you know, having a chat about experiential. Uh, we sort of started with Westworld and then took it back into what experiential actually is. Mm. And then got into some Game of Thrones stuff. We also opened the session because these guys are geniuses. They took some of the actors from the Game of Thrones pop-up and they had them come out and like like do a little bit of character work and then we got on stage. So they even you won't hear that here because it's a visual thing. It right. wouldn't make sense for audio. <laughs> right. But but there was some but workshopping going on. There, there was something happening where they even decided to make the panel into like a, a tiny bit of an experience. So it was, it was pretty cool, and those guys are great. And I think that you know, there's a lot of lessons in here um, for anyone who's interested in experiential. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, without further ado, let's uh, go ahead and take a listen to the panel. So these are the folks behind uh, the Westworld experience from last year. Uh, Let's start there. Can you tell us about making it and uh, why did you do it? Yeah, Uh, yeah, we can start. And uh, I'm Trevor. Nice to meet everybody. Um, So last year, I mean, what was important for HBO was to launch season two of Westworld. Um, And so for them as a business, I mean, they have um, an, an incredible slate of shows. Uh, but how do they bring the fans of those shows into them? And so uh, when we sit down with their marketing team, I mean, the the, the bar that they have uh, in terms of programming also uh, translates over to the marketing team. Uh, but the ask was, you know, we want to launch this, and, uh, you know, what? how can we do that? And so um, one of the ideas that we went back to HBO with was this concept that we thought we could actually create uh, the immersive world that is Westworld. And I think... The show's setup like lends perfectly to this type of dynamic. So um, it is a luxury tourist destination. You kind of get lost in the world, and so that's what we ended up creating. And so what you just saw in the video was um, we built Westworld. It was 22 miles outside of um, here in a town called Maynard, um, and we shuttled folks in there. And what was kind of unique about Westworld was there was no pathway that you had to go down. So similar. Uh, to actual characters or uh, on the show, there was you could choose your own adventure, choose your own path within the world. Uh, you saw that we were uh, we uh, constructed a 444-page script, so you, as a person coming in, actually got to be part of the narrative um, as you were flowing through it. How do you manage to create a 444-page script <laughs> as well as tons of actors uh, in a sprawling activation? Um, so at Giant Spoon, we're often sitting down. Uh, we have uh, incredible teams that are based in New York and in L.A., uh, but we have strategists. We have people that are strategically looking at the property that was Westworld and what is it made up of. And if we brought somebody there, why would they, why would they want to go through that experience and what would it look like? And so there was a ton of... Uh, research that our team did, certainly looking at every episode of the film, uh, excuse me, every episode of the series, 
uh, and kind of taking copious notes there. Uh, we were fortunate that Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy, the creators, were intimately involved in this as well. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth dialogue. And then, of course, the, the marketing group that is at HBO who understands their fans and understands uh, the type of activation they want, also pushing us uh, to build it. I think if you told anyone that their job involved taking notes and watching TV, they'd be pretty <laughs> excited about it. Um, but, you know, obviously that's a way that you can immerse people in the show to prepare for it. But were there any other things? Like, was there a show Bible? Was there something else that made it possible? Um, the, I, I, so I think if, if we all step back, I mean, the construct of, of, of Westworld and, like, the, the, there being this narrative that was in it, uh, also the premise of Westworld is there's, like, a maze. There's this thing that you're looking to discover. So a lot of what we built inside that town of Westworld was there was, like, clues and Easter eggs and a lot of that that was sitting within it. Um, the other thing, and I, I don't know if there's, like, a show of hands of, like, people who actually made it out to see the activation. Okay. Uh, so some of you kind of have a sense of the... the details that were around it, but our team was obsessive. Like, they were absolutely crazy to look at that town and how we were going to build it. Um, everything from the wallpaper that we custom designed that was inside uh, different sections. If you went into the general store, they analyzed the products that were on the shelf in the show. So everything was trying to be as authentic as we could make it. Uh, I mean, obviously that was a large challenge, but what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in creating that experience? I know that personally, I was on a press bus that kind of dipped into a ditch and they couldn't get it out for a minute, but that wasn't necessarily a challenge for Giant Spoon. Yeah, there was a bus hiccup that was getting out there. However, if you look between season one and season two, it's about chaos. So we thought we were seeing really well. The chaos was on brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, I mean, there was, I think, just built, there's obviously, when we're building a town, there was a bunch of of, uh, challenges that we had. I mean, when we went into this ghost town that was there, we had to redo all the electrical and make sure that that was um, up to code. We actually moved a fire hydrant, which I kind of forgot about until I was thinking about this. (laughs) But we had to get to make sure there was right safety elements that were within there for what we were doing. Um, So that was part of a challenge. And then if you, if, if you remember to last year, there was torrential rain here in Austin leading up to it. And so Mark and I remember sitting in New York and kind of looking at this. And like we, you know, us and HBO, like went pretty big on this activation. And I remember getting photos and some video of people up to their waist in mud, like looking at this. And so we had to truck in a ton of gravel to fill up the 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 streets that were in Westworld. What was also fortunate is that it was built like a Western town, so like there was decks that were all throughout that allowed us to do that too. I would love to see the face on whoever had to like expense uh, <laughs> two tons of gravel. Two tons yeah. of gravel. Um, I think it was Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what were some of the on-the-ground surprises that happened, and how did you convince HBO to just kind of go with the chaos? Um, I, I, I don't think we had to convince them of it. I mean, they really, they obviously understand the show and the elements of it. Um, and so written throughout, um, just maybe to back up a little bit too, I mentioned we had 444 pages of scripts. So to try to, um, and there were 66 actors and there was like eight horses that were moving through this. But we basically, the way that we built Westworld was that it was um, a number of scenes that were moving through. And so we'll call them loops to kind of make it easy. But we were moving through different acts within a story that we had that all culminated in a gunfight. And then what you realize at the end of it that uh, some of the people within Westworld were actually uh, tourists that were visiting, and that was like the, the out that we had that was at the end of it. Um, so we were running this massive thing. There was a big bell that was in the middle of Westworld that we would bang to change the scenes as we would move, and then all the actors would know that they needed to start to transition into the next place. Um, but the details were, were um, immense. I mean, there was coins that we had that you could use to, get, to buy bourbon and move throughout. Uh, there was a barber shop where you could get a, a real hot shave. Uh, the post office 
um, actually had custom mail for each person. So what we were doing in, here in Austin, we actually had a tourist destination, which was Delos, this fictional company that owns Westworld. So it was very um, like uh, futuristic looking, and we would bus you then out to Westworld. Uh, but when we were there, we were capturing some information from you. So we were capturing your photo, uh, just general information about you. And then we would port it into the post office. So we had... I think we had one printer, then we went and had to get five more to start to print out these letters that were inside of that space where people could go in. I still don't know what the letter that I got meant. I probably should have <laughs> asked you guys that. Uh, um, people were obsessive about it, too. I mean, going through each, yeah. all the details that were within that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's wild to get something personal mm. at something like that. I heard there was a wedding that happened at Westworld. Can you talk about the wedding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. got um, yeah, so it was it was the last night, and I think I, I definitely attribute this to the team at Giant Spoon. They were outside up front, and they heard somebody talking about how they actually had their wedding the following weekend in the ghost town that we had taken over. And they were like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could actually get married in Westworld? And they, like, like queued on the, the walkie-talkies to get our team going, and they went up to that couple, and they said, look, if you guys want to get married, we think we can do it tonight. The person who owned the ghost town was an ordained minister, so it was actually legal to get it done in Texas, so there was that what? thing that was going on. It was yeah, like all these things that were happening. Um, but our team built a wedding in the center, and they like gathered all the flowers. They rearranged all the furniture to build uh, like an altar and everything within it. Um, I was here in, at dinner in Austin, and my phone started blowing up. Like, you have to get back. We're, there's a wedding happening. Like, I had no idea what I was um, but it was wild. Uh, I, but I think that was like the magic of what was going on out there that weekend is there was this experience that was, I think, unlike anything else. Mm-hmm. I, certainly, I have never seen anything like it where it was so immersive and so interesting. Um, there was no... I talked about how there was an end to the storylines, how we were running these loops, but we had people that were within the park for four, eight hours, um, and we weren't asking them to leave. We wanted you to explore. We wanted that to be part of the experience as well. Uh, because it was 90,000 square feet, we also had enough room to do that. I love that someone was able to get HBO to essentially pay for their wedding. <laughs> um, but let's back up. Westworld was an experiential activation. Uh, this is a panel about experiential. For those who really don't know what experiential is, what is it? Sure. Uh, so we look at experiential as creating an experience for consumers. We want uh, consumers to engage with a brand at another level. You can watch content, you can you know, see a tweet, but to actually like live and breathe in a world that we've created, that's an experience. And it sort of even goes beyond experiential. It's, it's a little bit more meaningful. So for us, we're, we're building a, a company that takes those experiences and, and puts them on a pedestal and says, this is going to be special. So let's really treat it like it's going to be this really, really immersive thing. And people are going to forget where they are when, when they step into our world. And they're going to they're let go of all of that. And they'll be able to understand what it is that we're trying to explain to them by being in our world. I think that makes sense, but it's also one of those things where if you haven't been to an experiential activation to hear that it's like a thing, yeah. that'll happen, and someone will care about it. Yeah. <laughs> Could be confusing. I guess, um, what can brands achieve with experiences that they can't achieve sure. with other mediums? Well, we, we look at it like you can, you can actually move someone through the, the purchase funnel very quickly through all of the steps from awareness, consideration, maybe even to like purchase um, with an experience. You, you know, they're aware of the experience, they're aware of the brand that might be putting it on, but then when they're in the world and they're actually going through the paces or the steps or whatever the interaction is that we have for them, they get an understanding, so they move further down. Then if they're exiting through the gift shop, there might even be a purchase place for them, so we can, we can uh, convert them all the way through. So that's something that experiential allows for that not a lot of other you know, advertising forms really, really uh, allow for. I, I also, feel like, within those, with the client partners that we work with, too, I mean, there's two different types, too. There's, um, we do a lot of work within the entertainment category, um, and it's often about the show and um, celebrating communities and the fan base. We have other partners that we work with that it's about a product. Mm-hmm. And so we'll spend a lot of time, um, it might be a new product, and they want someone to understand the features that sit within it, and how do we teach them about that from the front door to the back door? Um, but, but experiential allows us to do that. And, um, 
you know, in a world where people are trying to get people to pay attention for six seconds, like we're actually getting them into the experience. Like people were waiting online for eight hours just to get into Westworld. Um, it's, a, it's like a whole other level of engagement. Would you say that's what's driving the trend toward experiential, that people are like, people will wait in line sure. to hang out yeah. for this brand? Yeah, I mean, there, we're sort of leaning into a larger trend where experiences are, are valued. I think uh, there's some stat that said that 74% of Americans now value experiences more than things. So maybe it's a reflection of the time we're in or whatever it might be, but there's value placed on experiencing something. And it's probably driven more by millennials and Gen Z than anyone else. So they'll drop a thousand bucks on tickets for Coachella without thinking about it. Like that's, that's an experience I'm gonna go, go feel and see and, and do. Um, so what we're doing is we're creating these experiences because we're, we're giving them something to go do. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're probably going to share it on Instagram and they're going to induce some FOMO with their friends, but really like they're going to go to something. As long as we do it right, we provide value and we make it interesting and exciting and, and something that they're sort of happy with at the end of the day, that's, that's the key. Yeah, I guess what role does brand strategy play in it? And, you know, where do you guys sit within working with a brand to figure out yeah. how they can create something? Uh, brand strategy is it's the foundation for all of our creative thinking. So that includes any content we might come up with, and it definitely includes any experiences we might come up with. So when we're figuring out what the brand strategy is for whether it's Westworld or Game of Thrones, we're, we're trying to figure out and pull out what the message is, what the feeling is that we want that consumer to, to feel. So we start there. It's a lot of you know, audience insights, digging into the culture, figuring out what's going to resonate with them. Then we'll even add on comm strategy. So the idea of like figuring out how we're going to talk about this. How, what are, where are the different places that this should show up so that people are seeing and hearing about it beyond even the maybe 4,000 people that are going to experience it, but the billions of people that could potentially experience it. So that becomes a foundational element that then allows us to think of what to actually do, what the creative big idea might be. Uh, but that's, that's the layer that you need first. I, just, I also look at our company, too, as like a strategically-led organization. Like mm-hmm. We, as a, as a marketing partner, like we should be solving the business problems. And so, um, you know, we're not, and we're not always doing it through experiential. Um, so when clients are coming to us, they're just talking about, like, you know, here's um, something we want to communicate or here's an audience group that's important to us. So at the business, we probably have there's about 200 people that work at Giant Spoon, um, about 50 of them are brand strategists at the company, and they're clipped into kind of everything that we do, whether um, we have uh, a client in the financial service, uh, financial service category um, that's Synchrony, that we're, we built an original podcast on small business with Alexis Ohanian. Uh, for HP, we built feature films with Christian Slater that talk about printer security. Uh, we have, so we have a lot of those examples, but no one, very, when people are coming into us, most of the time the output isn't experiential. It's like we're thinking through, okay, what, what's the actual right thing to craft to address what we're talking about? What did you want people to feel from Westworld, and what do you want them to feel from Game of Thrones? By the way, you guys, if you hadn't guessed by the guys who were out here, there's a Game of Thrones experience here. <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, for Westworld, it was uh, you want them to feel like they've transported to a different place. That's what the show's about. So we want them to feel that. Um, with Game of Thrones, I think there's this is the end cap to uh, an amazing show that's been on HBO for a couple, many seasons now. You want them to feel the importance and the, the seriousness of that. And then we have the American Red Cross. Probably want to talk about that a little bit. But yeah. there, is, there is an element to this that we do want to do good uh, for this. And that it sort of culminates with our experience here. Yeah, the, the strategy for Westworld and Game of Thrones are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. There's nothing different about them. So uh, Westworld was, we were celebrating what the show was and the, the narrative elements of it, and we built this tourist destination. Like, we were so deliberate in making sure you had to travel to get to it. On the buses that we had, there was, like, a, you know, kind of that, tour, that cheesy-ass tourist video of, like, get ready for the destination you're about to go to. Um, there was all of those things that were in it. I think the cowboy hats, which, if you were here last year, you got that, but we... That was like a, um, a souvenir that you had from it. Everyone knew that you were at Westworld. With Game of Thrones, if you look at what's going on within the series, like it is about, at the highest level, it's about sacrifice and devotion. And so 
um, what HBO is asking their fans to do is, what will you do for the throne? Like this is, they've had this this huge fan base, and uh, what you know, there no, there's no uh, lack of awareness for Game of Thrones. We all know it comes out on April 14th. Like it's going to be a huge, huge premiere. Um, I think the HBO team also saw like we could use this for good. Like there's a purpose that we can put behind this. So if if you have a chance, there's there's uh, it's running. Um, today and tomorrow, but you can go through this Thrones experience, but there's kind of two paths, but one of them that is, is being asked is to donate blood to the American Red Cross, and so um, the, we're, throughout the weekend, there's a six-day blood drive that's going on, but you, you went through the experience yesterday, but also within it, we're asking people to kind of you know, bend their knee and, um, and kind of pay tribute to Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, there's, it's very intense to look <laughs> someone in the eye yeah, yeah. And, and kneel before them. Um, I know you guys can't talk about cost. I, f- I figure there's probably someone in this audience going, how much did this cost? Oh, up there. First yeah. question. There it is. Great. Um, <laughs> but can you talk about some of the important, uh, to use terrible marketing speak, KPIs, uh, to use to measure the impact of all of this and just some, some KPIs and some ROI. Cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, one, we can't talk about the cost. That's for sure. <laughs> they, all, they have snipers trained on us right now, probably. Just I mean, watching. the guys are still back there. Yeah. <laughs> they come out again. Um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was worth the investment, I'd say, for them. Um, the, in terms of KPIs, when we're, when we're doing an experience like, like one of these, we're looking at the obvious stuff, the throughput, maybe there's lead gen, you know, we're eyeballs and impressions and how many people they share it to and how many people use the hashtag, all of those things that we can measure and track and, and, and put in a summary at the end of the, the campaign. Um, the things that we're looking for are a little bit harder to, to track, the, like, the, the, the intensity of a feeling that you got from being in that sort of church-like setting in front of the throne. And did that convert you, if you weren't already a fan, into a fan that was very excited for it? Those are, those are things that are really hard to feel out. Um, there's, we could do some exit interviews and stuff like that to f- see what, where it's headed, but it is more of a, of a gut at the end of the day. And then we want to drive buzz. We want people talking about it. That's, that's part of it. So if we've accomplished that, that mission of like getting a feeling going, then people write about it, they share it out, then hopefully they've done the... Uh, the end of the day converted. I, I saw a tweet uh, recently that was like literally someone reminiscing about the bourbon they drank in Westworld and how it was like the best bourbon they've ever had. So like to think about somebody talking about a drink a year later, like the, the impression that that had on them mm-hmm. and the experience that they had within it. Um, I, I think Wait, but what was that bourbon? Do you remember what Eli- the bourbon was? I do. Was? It's Elijah Craig. Elijah Craig, right. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I think we ran out because we definitely had to get more of the throughput that was coming through there. Um, the other thing that, and Westworld had this, is like we always joke that like the actors were armed with guns and our guests were armed with cell phones. But when you you can look at it in these photos, but you know people were filming the entire experiences and broadcasting that out. So the the um, the virality of it and the impressions that we had coming off from it were were pretty impressive for people sharing it out. And we um, thought about that a lot in terms of uh, how we wanted to orchestrate the park. Um, and similar at Game of Thrones, there's a lot of uh, ways that we're thinking about how someone might share that experience out. I appreciate that we're 20 minutes into this panel and you guys haven't said surprise and delight at all. <laughs> um, if you guys don't cover marketing like I do, you don't know how often marketers will say, we want to surprise and delight consumers. And that seems like this is exactly <laughs> what that's trying to do. Uh, can I, just to comment, I mean, like, yeah. we're all, like, mar- marketing's like, you're just talking, you're talking to another human. So, like, we should be human about how we do it. And I think <laughs> what I am impressed by the team that we have, and we, like, I, I brought them into my office as we were going down, and they were, or as they were coming down for Game of Thrones, and I was like, "Be the uh, have the highest level of cynicism about this thing. Go through this as a consumer and destroy it." Like we want them to really think about like why we're doing things, and we talk about like we have brand strategy. What does that mean? Like we have people that sit within our company and are part of the process. They go all the way through it, but they're asking that question: Why? Why does it matter? Why is this built this way? What is someone going to feel coming out mm-hmm. of it? So. 
Um, we're, I, I think we are our, our fiercest critics when we're building these experiences and just trying to be as like thoughtful as possible. Like, you know, Mark and I have been to hundreds of marketing activations. Like, we want to have fun and like be like get in there and see things we didn't know about. But yeah, it, it, it's uh, you almost said surprise. Be real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we are probably two of the most jaded marketers out there. So like, it's a, it's a high bar, and that's what we've set for our, our teams to to, yeah. to clear. I, I mean, I've been covering marketing for Adweek for five years. I am also quite... You're up there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm jaded. Yeah. So to talk about being jaded, <laughs> um, how can the industry avoid burnout and continue to increasingly uh, wow <laughs> jaded consumers? Uh, it's, it's, um, it's a constant curiosity that we have for what's out there in the world. What are people doing? What are they seeing? What are they feeling? Uh, so what, what we've done is we have actually at the agency, we have something called a culture fund, which allows people to go out and experience and do things and ex- experience stuff uh, and b- bring that back into the agency so that when we're coming up with ideas for content experiences for clients, you're bringing something different that might not have otherwise been in the, at the table in the brainstorm. So if there's any recommendation, it's to allow for that curiosity to be explored, to, to let people go out. Go, go see things because that's where the newest ideas might come from. So we just want to empower people to, to do that. So I, I guess if someone submitted asking to go to like the new Star Wars thing in Florida, you might say yes to I that? I might, yes. I might. Very cool. <laughs> um, I guess if, if there are people in this audience who are curious about how to become part of, a, of an agency like yours where you're doing experiential, you know, I, I'm sure they would wonder if there are like certain disciplines that make up the teams and mm-hmm. what they are and how you do it and how you get involved with this. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so we're, the Giant Spoon is a full-service agency, so we have those departments that kind of sit within it. Um, but I think that's important too, because the the way that we think experientially, like those uh, those groups have an like an input on some of the ideas. So our media teams thinking about um, how that might show up. Our social teams involved through it. But our experiential team, we kind of have like three core groups. We have um, an account team that's making sure that the uh, the business and the, the the details of moving things forward from a client perspective are right. Uh, we have producers that are. They're, they're obsessive and crazy, and they're the ones who are actually building these experiences and developing them um, and, and running all the different elements inside the details, whether it's that we had one of our producers call, there's inside the Game of Thrones, there's a 27-minute original score that was composed, but they were helping to run that music and the lighting and stuff like that. Um, and then we have a, a creative group that sits within our experiential that has kind of designers, spatial architects, um, builders that are... Um, to kind of creating the experiences that we dream up, and then we're working with kind of Hollywood set designers to fabricate and build those out. Yeah, it, it seems wild to be in a room with people and be like, okay, let's build a town, but then people actually have to build the town. Right. Yeah. So how do you bring in those people, yeah. and how do you talk to a carpenter about, like, I, I've imagined that it's going to look like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, just for a day. And I, I think it's like the teams, too, are just like they are solving problems. Like we, I remember we met with HBO. It was like a Tuesday. We pitched Westworld. They were like, yeah, this is, we would like to do this. On Wednesday morning, we had a group with like backpacks with drones in it on their way down here to fly over what was that ghost town. But we had to rebuild it. Like there was so much stuff that infrastructure-wise, which I already mentioned, but also things that had to come in it. Um, but they had to kind of think through that and the flow of it. Um, and also, when you were there, we thought a lot about, like, if you were in the park and you looked out, you saw the desert. So we, like, used all of that. So we were, like, partitioning it off and making sure that once you were inside that world that you would see nothing else from the outside world, not the road, not the street signs. Like, uh, you were inside of, of Westworld. Mm-hmm. That's a major difference with this year, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Even last night, looking at the Game of Thrones dudes uh, and the backdrop of just Austin yeah. construction is pretty funny. Yeah, I think, I mean, this year, we, we, I feel like we have a cathedral now, so we're ready for, like, a wedding this year. But um, <laughs> we, we did a lot to make that feel, uh, you know, like a, that music hall that's in there when you go through yeah. it. Um, I guess, how long is the usual timeline for something like this? You can't, you can't really call someone up and say, hey, make a town in a week. Yeah. 
No, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so Westworld took, uh, I think from probably brief to, to live date, it was probably about eight months. I mean, this was, this was a long endeavor. Uh, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things to figure out. Uh, it should take that long, I think, to do it right. But obviously cl clients have come to us and asked us to do something of that scale in a shorter amount of time. And if, if we're not feeling like it's given the right amount of time, we'll, we'll say we just can't do it. Um, smaller executions, less amount of time, but it's all sort of relative to what, what we're going to be building at the, end of the, at the end of the day. What went terribly wrong? What, <laughs> like what, what, yeah. uh, what went poorly and how did you deal with it? Uh, you're the bus, we talked about that. Um, yeah. But I think you know, when we're looking at it is like for these types of events, this is what we tell our clients, like everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And so what are we doing and what the types of team that we have on the ground to respond to those things? Um, I honestly don't believe there's any like major things within Westworld, but we were optimizing the park every day as mm -hmm. we were going through it. So we had a couple practice rounds that were going in it to make sure the story was flowing right. Um, we were trying to optimize the line flow for consumers to make sure that that stuff was coming. But they were often like tweaks that we were making to try to make the user experience better. Um, those were the things that we were focused yeah. on. And the rain was was definitely the biggest thing. Yeah, that was. Yeah. In, I mean. The, the one thing bad. is uh, that contingency budget is there for a reason. Like we we make sure it's there every single time. Is that why you guys are indoor mostly this year? <laughs> yeah. You're like I'm not dealing with rain. No more again. rain. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, how do you keep a conversation going with consumers after an experience is over? Mm -hmm. uh, for for the entertainment clients that we work with, uh, there's there's a live date or uh, a premiere date that we're that we're aiming towards. So. If we have an experience now and the, the season premieres in April, there's there's amount of time there that we can we can keep having a conversation with somebody. Um, for Westworld, uh, those postcards that you would write to yourself um, from from the Delos Mail uh, post office, they would arrive actually weeks later on premiere date. So there was like more and more bites of the apple that we could keep taking just to remind them and keep them sort of engaged. And then for them to remember back and then get another bite of the apple and say, get them to tweet on the premiere day. Like, I can't, I love my time in Sweetwater. Look what I just got in the mail. I'm watching tonight. That, that kind of, we're, we're thinking of those things all the way through. The, even the postcards, I remember this, there was, I think there were six postcards, but they all had Easter eggs in them too that were foreshadowing what was going to be happening in season two. So the, the amount of like clues that were sitting within that um, creation were, were kind of endless. They kept coming. So there's a lot of bad experiential out there. <laughs> Uh, I think that as it's grown, uh, you know, we've we've seen a lot of brands come out and say, "Well, ex our experience is going to be something where here's a beautiful Instagram shot. We have no idea what you'll do in this space." Yeah. How do you? I mean, how do you think about that in terms of you know, you guys are uh, a well-known experiential agency. I mean, you guys service, but known for the experiential, you know, what do you think of that, and what is the state of experiential? I, there, there, there are a lot of agencies that are trying to go big with experiences like this, fully immersive, hiring actors. Uh, we, you know, applaud them and welcome them. Like, this is all making the industry better if they, if they can do it at the level that we've been trying to push for. Um, yeah, there are some Instagram museums that are out there that kind of fall flat. And I think consumers catch up and they get jaded very quickly. Uh, you know, Museum of Ice Cream and Happy Place and those things came and they were great for that moment, but for them to evolve, for them to start adding something a bit more of value there, that's, you know, that's where we'd like to see everyone going, but can't have every single client, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um... I guess what's like one thing that you would tell clients to keep in mind when creating an experience? I'm sure there are some who have, you know, grandiose ideas that are impossible and some that don't have any idea of what an experience would be. Like what's something to help that conversation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think part of it is like find the right, find good partners, like find people that you like to work with that like work within your organization. I, would, I remember sitting with the CMO of a, Fortune 10 company, and she told me that 
you know, and I, we've been, I've been pitching her ideas for 10 years. So she's like, but we're, but, you know, she said no to a lot of them, but she said yes to some of them. But um, she told me, she, go, she said to me once, she goes, I never, when you come in with ideas, I never don't believe you can get me to the other side of the bridge. Like, I know you, I know your team, I know mm-hmm. how you think. Like, if you tell me you're going to get me there, I don't even worry about that. But she said what she's always thinking about is what is that, you know, that end reason why, like what, like why we're doing it, what the outcome is for the consumer. So I think for brand marketers are there is like find the right partners and like let them take care of, like let us sweat about the postcards and the weight of the coins and the wallpaper. Um, you focus on, you know, your brand and what you want that end consumer experience to be and, and keep us focused there as we go through it together. Um, and we'll usually get to like an awesome outcome on the yeah. other side of it. I think it's also letting letting the agency surprise you as a client. So you might have an idea of what what you want them to do, what direction you might want them to go in, but to be specific and say, this is the idea that I want you guys to build, sort of stifles the creativity that could be there. Um, so to say, I, surprise me, here's the direction I'm, I'm going in, but if you've got another idea, I'm all ears, that's the best approach. Um, let us be creative because we've got a lot of people that have uh, got some crazy ideas, so we'd like to show them to you and not sort of be, you know, uh, handcuffed before we even walk in the door. Do you guys have a favorite experience that you didn't create? Mm. Think about it. We can come back to uh, it. Um, the, I do. Uh, you do? I do. The, I, I was very envious of the Google, uh, the ride that mm-hmm. was at CES. CES? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was surprising. There was, there was a roller coaster at CES, you guys. Yeah. Like a pop-up roller coaster. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, two months ago, my team came in my office to build an airline, and I thought it was awesome. <laughs> and I looked at, I called Bark, and I called our internal lawyer, and I'm like, how much insurance do we need to do this? <laughs> uh, but I thought it was great. I, I like greenlit it, and we pushed it forward. There were some strategic reasons why we ended up moving off it, but I was like, I, I thought it was, I mean, we were looking at private jets one day in Virginia. Like, we were down the path on this thing uh, and working with uh, how to wrap planes and do some other stuff. So um, I, I mean, missed that one. People probably are thinking about the fire Festival plane and the complete yeah. from that. So maybe... But, and that's, I get, you know, that's a... We saw, all of us saw that film, just like most people here probably, but, like, that um, it is the importance of having the right team that's like on the ground to execute that. Yeah. But that team was um, uh, negligent. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. So you guys could never be the Jerry Media to not. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you hope not. Um, okay, cool. And then, I guess, uh, can you sum up what you think makes a really great experience? I, I, I still believe that you have to invoke a feeling when you walk in and when you walk out of that, that experience. It's got to be something that um, is more than just like, oh, this is cool, and you get your free whatever, and then you walk out, and you're carrying that on the flight back home. It's got to be some, some feeling that you're walking away with um, from the experience, whether it's like I transported to Sweetwater, uh, and I had the time of my life, it was a theme park that I never thought I would, would be able to visit. Or if you're visiting Game of Thrones, this is a, a, an almost religious experience that you're having. Like, you get choked up when you're kneeling in front of the throne. Like, that's, that kind of power is what makes, what makes these experiences really good. Yeah, I, and I think that, but also then, just like, don't forget they should be wildly fun. Yeah. People should be having a blast as they're going through it. Um, you know, I mean, like, we spend a lot of time as marketers, like, doing mixed modeling, and here's where we need to show up, and, like, but taking a lot of care of, like, this is, um, this is different from some digital experience where, like, people are scrolling through a feed, or, but, you know, we're building this immersive element of a world to pull them into, and, um, uh, but, you know, enjoy it, too. So we should probably talk about Game of Thrones. Let's do it. A little bit. Um, I think we have some photos of it, too. I think, I think there's a thing. There's the thing for that. Oh. Some Mock more up. Westworld photos. <laughs> Mock up. <laughs> more. Uh, oh, talk, yeah. Touch on this. So uh, Blade Runner 2049, uh, if, if you want to sort of trace the lineage of where Westworld came from, we did, uh, we built Los Angeles of the future in a tent uh, in San Diego for, for Comic-Con a couple years ago. That was the first time we really started playing around with what actors could add to, to an experience. So 
Well, you'd uh, never get Harrison Ford for that. I mean, he wore a T-shirt in yeah. the movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. so. so it was actually, so it started as a, as a VR experience. You put on the, the headset. Uh, you were sitting in these like 4D chairs that moved around in, in sync with, with the, uh, the car chase that was happening in VR. While you had that headset in front of, in, on your, your head, a wall actually raised up. So when you took off the headset and you had crashed your, your car, uh, the, the crashed car was <laughs> in front of you. And that's when actors started to come up to you and ask if you had seen the replicant that was driving this or whatever it was. So it was, it was sort of this like, you were set up in VR to walk into this experience and then you were in that world. It was raining. There was, there was a rain machine that we made to make it feel like it was this wet sort of universe that we created. Um, but this was the first time that we really, really said, you know, what if you actually built that world? What would it look like? Can I, something that I think that is, it's probably important to us for these things, like when you think about experiential and you like open the door and you walk into the world, it doesn't work. Like yeah. it's too, it's too jarring for a consumer. And so I think what um, Blade Runner did, Westworld did the same thing, was it scene set. So you, for Westworld, you went to like a tourist destination, then you got on a bus, then you walked through a train. Like we put you into this world. Um, the team did the same thing with Blade Runner where you went into this, we did it through VR in this case, but we still put you in a world and then there was like a seat, not a secret, but there was a garage door in front of it and then you watched this film, then when you were done, the garage door was up and you were in the world. But it's, you know, for marketers that are out there and are doing this, you can't just drop somebody into, like, you can't just put like a fence around something and then they come into it. You have to get them to like change their thinking, get them comfortable, get them uncomfortable, like figure some of those elements out that then, you know, opens up the gates. Yeah, I think most people would be pretty uncomfortable to take off a headset and see a crash car, but you're there then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, see what else is so that that's the throne, it's a throne, and people are bleeding for it. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit about it? I mean, there's a partnership with the Red Cross. Yeah, I mean, and that it's it is very cool that there's a purpose around this to try to raise blood. So it's happening over the next six days. Um, what's been exciting for us to hear back from the American Red Cross is how many new donors are part of this. Um, so they're seeking new blood, uh, which is uh, people who just have never donated to the Red Cross before. So I think 40% of the entrants are actually new to the Red Cross system. Um, so you know we're kind of building up their army that is um, um, their donor base. Um, so when there's a, a need for blood, that that can happen. But um, just to talk maybe a little bit about the experience, I think every, you know we're kind of between season seven and season eight, and the Great War is upon us. And so, what the experience does here in Austin um, this week is uh, we're rallying the realm to get ready for the Great War. And so, when you come into the experience, um, there is a blood drive element of it. Um, and then, if if you choose not to donate blood, that's absolutely fine. It's open to everybody. You go into an immersive element. And so, if you donate blood, you do that first. Then you come into the immersive again, scene setting. Um, and we take you through four characters that have had devotion to the throne, that have sacrificed. So uh, you, you actually walk Cersei's walk of shame. You, uh, you witness the stabbing of Jon Snow. So there's some of those elements that are happening. Then when you come out, you're met by this 24-person uh, choir that we've, we assembled from um, Austin. Um, and we wrote this original score of music. And then each person's... Um, name who's part of, who's coming through the experience is actually inside the song that we built. So there's a very, uh, like there's a detail of personalization within it. You rise, you again kneel for the throne, do that. And then what we do is we exit you to the, a war camp. And inside that war camp, right, all the houses and the different groups are coming together. So there's Dothraki, there's the Unsullied, there's uh, free folk, as they told me, they're not wildlings. Um, all of that is in the war camp, and there's stories going on. There's a blacksmith. Um, there's an AR element this year with Snapchat. Um, so you, you can, the building bleeds. There's a few other Easter eggs that are within there for that. Um, but that's what's happening this year. Uh, and then everyone is kind of united together. We are the army of the living uh, to go into season eight. It is really surreal to have one, someone shout at you asking if you will bleed for the throne. <laughs> I feel like the only answer is yes when you have someone doing it. With a weapon? Yeah, with a weapon. <laughs> You've just seen a sword fight. Um, also, I, I, blanking on this woman's character name. She's the high priestess. The high priestess will make 
dagger-like eye contact with you and then gently touch your shoulder and whisper into your ear. Um, She told me something about how everyone has a purpose. And I had come come in at, um, I got on a plane at four in the morning and so just just hear someone... (laughs) Say you have a purpose. That'll Touch change, you. That'll change, yeah. Your, yeah. change well, your day. We talk about optimizing. I think when we got down here, people weren't kneeling. We had just, you walk up and she would put her hand on her shoulder. And we're looking at it during the test night. We're like, you have to kneel for the throne. Like bend a knee and show your devotion. So we talk about like all those tweaks that we're making as a production crew to make the experience better. That was something that was like a last minute change. Yeah, one last minute change you were telling me about yesterday was the, the smell. There's a particular smell in there to you guys that there's a yeah yeah, yeah the, we you know i think people experience things with all their senses so the smell was a was something to think about that we hadn't thought about until we sort of walked in last night um there's this smell of like incense that we've we've allowed to permeate the place so it's got kind of a if you've ever been to like a greek orthodox church like it smells like that when you're in that space and it triggers memories or whatever it might be that put you in that world if you know it, it it's different than if it was just this kind of stale you know warehouse space like it actually triggers something different in you i spent all morning trying to google like what the name of that That's, particular yeah. smell is <laughs> i still don't have an answer that we can find out um so i'm going to move on to audience question you guys um any advice for designing experiences for a brand that isn't as revered as an hbo show you you guys do kind of have it a little. You got fans already. <laughs> so. Good clients, yeah. Uh, I, I think we, we uh, HBO, good content like that, that's great to work with. Um, let's take a, a, a brand in like the outdoor gear space. You can come up with experiences around brands in the outdoor gear space. They're going to be different, but it's, it's taking like, what does that brand stand for? What's the lifestyle around that? What situations can you put someone in you, you know you can sort of like build off of it. if you can if you can start in one point and then sort of build what a profile is around it you can pull out what a what an experience could be where that brand is inserted into it it'd yeah. probably be outdoor probably yeah. <laughs> i've always wanted an outdoor brand to challenge us to make uh someone experience what it's like to climb mount everest because i i bet we could do it um but I think it's like thinking through that and like what would all those sensory elements be and how long would it be and you know what would the, the Sherpa, I don't know. I, it, it's been a challenge I've wanted someone to throw at us. Imagine if Nat Geo had asked you guys to do an experience around free solo. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vertigo, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, I guess, I guess that's it. I, I would ask this question from Jeff on the thoughts of the void, but uh, I don't know pure ignorance. I don't know what the void is. So the yeah the VR space where you sort of put on a headset and uh, you're walking through the space. I think it's cool. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's going to to evolve too. I think that's that's a space where VR and physical spaces are going to start to get really interesting. I'm scared of that. Yeah. The end. Thank you, Christina. <laughs> Thank you. That sounded like you had a lot of fun on stage. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I mean, those guys are really fun. And talking about experiential, you know, it's it's something where, like, we were at South By and one of our coworkers, I forget who it was. It might have been art director Diana McDougall. But we were talking about experiences. and And I was just like, yeah, I don't know, like... What do I know? And she was like, you know a lot. You've been, you've been covering experiential <laughs> for the last couple of years, especially here at South right. By. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm not at an agency. I'm not, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. But I have gone to way more experiences put on by various brands than I'd like to admit. Yeah, and I guess in a lot of ways we become the arbiters of what is good mm-hmm. and what might not be great. And there was a word. There's a word that I don't necessarily think we've talked about. You know, you talked about it being relevant to the brand, but there's a word that I always like, which is meaning or meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I, you're right. I think sometimes it's you know slapped together, and it's just like, well, we just got to do something. Yeah. And the stakes seem higher now, so it, it to cut through for brands. So mm-hmm. it just it feels like meaning and being more meaningful 
is going to be more important moving forward. Yeah, I think I actually think one of the worst things that you can do is to do an experience at South by just because it's like a line item and right. not actually have a purpose. Like don't right. do that. You're just wasting your marketing dollars. Like right. you don't have to activate at South by. You could do it at something much smaller and much more niche and maybe get a better reaction to it. So it's, it's one of those things. It's an evolving, it's an evolving market. Uh, so I don't know if you want to talk about experiential at some point, like email me, I'll talk to you about it. Yes. (laughs) Yes, you will. Yes, you will. And then we had, we had an awards going on down there an award program going on. Oh yeah, we did. We did. We had the arc awards. Um, it was, it was, it was a packed room. Uh, People were partying. There was a great guacamole. <laughs> okay. Wendy's won the uh, the the Grand Arc, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a really good party, and everyone seemed to have a good time. Also, notably, last year it was outside, very hot. This year, inside at the Line Hotel, we got to have AC. It was very nice. Smart Had move. a good time. Very mm-hmm. smart move. And you can check out all the winners. We'll have a link uh, in the article accompanying this podcast on adweek.com. All right, Christina, well, thank you so much for joining us. Always love hearing about your travels. And uh, I, I guess get some rest. Yeah. Uh, apologies to our listeners. I got in at like one in the morning last night. So that is why I have repeatedly said my brain is broken. I'm going to go rest up now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. As, as point of fact, we are recording this on Friday. So yes, you'll have a nice long weekend of, uh, of R&R, but we really do appreciate it. And great coverage again on adweek.com from Christina and the team down in Austin. Uh, and that wraps it up for us this week. Our theme music is by home. This episode was edited by Lane McGibney. Please take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews do mean a lot to us personally, and they help listeners find the show. You can also email your feedback to podcast at adweek.com. I'm Doug Zanger with Adweek, filling in for David Greiner this week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.